Hi everyone, it's podcast time. On this episode, we sat down with husband and wife power couple, Rick and Lynn Help in a Fiber New Upstate. Rick and Lynn started their business back in 2009 in the midst of a recession. And since that time, they've built up a really great business together. In our conversation, we talked about how they have positioned themselves as a value added service rather than one that just competes on price. What that means is that they have an emphasis on going after higher end work, uh, in particular in the automotive and residential furniture space. They talked about the quote unquote stress of cold calls and how they now utilize their web presence and some of the online reviews they have, uh, along with their existing clientele base to take away some of that stress. Lynn talks about how her online reviews and presence really does a lot of the selling for them when a client phones them. And Rick talks about how just name dropping current clientele to new clientele really helps take away some of that stress. He says he does it in between jobs or even on jobs, which again, just makes that whole process easier. They work really well as a team together with Lynn handling, quoting and scheduling and Rick completing the workout in the field. Sometimes they do jobs together, but really they have a nice split of duties and just generally make it work. There are lots of valuable insights on this podcast. Hope you enjoy and can apply some new ideas to your own business. Cheers. Okay, so let's start out with that first question on the list and and just talk a little bit about your former background and and what you guys were doing before starting uh, Fiber New Upstate. Sure, let me go first, Lynn. Um, After finishing school, university, with a biology-chemistry degree, I went to work in the the textile industry in South Carolina. It was very big in the, the late 70s, early 80s. So in 78, I took a position with Millican Textiles, as a management trainee, and oh, Alexis talking. Alexis talking, Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> she heard something. But uh, and I worked my way up, all the way up to uh, my last five or six years in textiles, uh, which took us all over the world. I was the vice president of operations for North American Asia for a non-woven textile company. So from th- uh, '78 to 2008. You know, I kind of climbed the, the corporate ladder and uh, stayed in the textile industry. And the neat thing about uh, joining FiberNew was earlier part of my career, first 10, 15 years, was in the dyeing and finishing end of the textile industry. So color oh, cool. comes much more easily to me than to many people because, you know, yeah. I just dealt with it every day for almost 15 years. For sure. Yeah. For sure. And you guys lived all over the place, didn't you? You said uh, we lived it took all over the, the Carolinas, north and south Carolina, and then we lived in uh, Melbourne, Australia for three years, too. Nice. How was that? Yeah. That was neat. It was, uh, you can't get much further away from the U.S., but, you know, being a country that <laughs> yeah. speaks English and they just drive on the wrong side of the word, uh, road. But uh, <laughs> Yeah, I know. It's, yeah. it's a neat place um, to be. Melbourne's a beautiful city. It is, actually. That, I think that's my favorite city in Australia. Um, of yeah. all the places I've, I've been there, it's, uh, there's just something about it. Yeah. Were the kids with you at that point? Or? Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. They were elementary oh. and high school age. Wow, that must have been a great experience for them. It really was. Very cool. Yeah, yeah. And then how did you settle where, where you are now? Is that, is that essentially home, or was that just kind of your last posting, or how did um, that play out? When I started with Milliken, it was down in the about – 
60 miles from where we live now, and they've been promoted to be a plant manager in the Greenville-Easley area. Uh, we just really liked the area, and when I started uh, looking at franchises and, and met uh, some of the individuals at one of the franchise shows and said, well, how many franchises do you have available in South Carolina? And they said, well, you would be the first, so you get to pick wherever you want. So we kind of picked the area that we really like living in, and Greenville is one of the fastest-growing small cities in the U.S. right now, and it has been for the last six or eight years. Cool. Very cool. Lynn, why don't you um, tell a little bit about your background? Go ahead. Uh, um, well, I started out prior to kids um, as the executive assistant to the vice president of sales and marketing for what had been a, a Park Davis medical surgical division. So background in sales and marketing, convention organizing, that type of thing. And then I was a stay-at-home mom for many years. Um, while we were in Australia, I, uh, I didn't have a work visa. Such bad luck on my part, right? Mm. So I was kind of our tourism director. And, you know, it doesn't matter what side of the world you live on. Uh, if you've got kids in school, then your life, if you're a stay-at-home mom, is going to be the same. But I did a lot of volunteer work for the American Women's Auxiliary, and we did major fundraisers for the Royal Children's Hospital. So that's what I did oh, cool. to stay busy in Australia when I wasn't actually working. Um, when we moved back stateside, we were in the Raleigh area in North Carolina, suburbs of, and um, I was the sole proprietor of a restaurant um, advertising business. So I've actually just closed that officially. I kind of run it from afar since we moved back to South Carolina in '09. So I've, I'm finally done with my restaurant marketing business uh, and really just doing the uh, everything it takes to, to keep Fibernew organized. And then, uh, you know, a few times a month, three, four times a month, I'm doing the, the work at the hospital as a standardized patient now. Okay. That's cool. So every day is uh, something a little different. It really which is. is. A good thing. Yeah. You know, even, yeah, yeah. you know, fiber news keeps us, that's kind of the fun of it, I think. You can't get, be bored because you are doing a little bit different each and every day. You know, today Rick started his day out doing a warranty job for automobile and um, went from there to an RV location to do work at RV and tomorrow we'll be doing furniture and then in the afternoon it's going to be a job for two men in a truck from moving damage so you just jump around and get to do so many different things that's cool and it, that kind of leads a little bit into the next question with the the difference in the change from you know, what you're doing before, Rick, you know, as you mentioned, climbing the corporate ladder and kind of working in that, that corporate environment to what you're doing now. Um, were, were you at a point in your life where you were just, you were ready for that change and kind of hungry to, you know, get out of the office, get out of the suit kind of thing? Or was it just more of a natural transition into what you're doing now? Do you, well, do you just want to talk about that a bit? Yeah, um, you know, having plants in five different states in the U.S. and two different, you know, China and the U.S., I traveled a lot. And uh, being on the manufacturing quality, you know, and uh, operational end, you, you know, operations that run 7 by 24, you're constantly on call. So uh, mm -hmm. that was getting old. And then uh, new senior leadership uh, decided that we should shut most of our plants down in the U.S. and move them to 
Asia and Mexico, and uh, that task was assigned to me, and uh, that's not really how I wanted to, to end my career in textile, so uh, I basically said, make me happy, make me go away, and uh, uh, okay. they, they cooperated, and uh, then I started working uh, with an outplacement office, and uh, a gentleman I, I, I got to know very well was like, well, you know, at 55, why don't you consider a franchise? And we just happened to go to a show in Chapel Hill, and uh, Fiverr knew was there. It was almost meant to be. And uh, <laughs> I, you know, I looked at two or three different franchises and, and then just, uh, just kept coming back to the Fiverr new, uh, you know, business model and the fact that, you know, everybody in their life will need the services of a, a company like Fiverr new, you know, probably multiple times. And, uh, you know, it just uh, it was a good fit. Very cool. Um, so what about uh, some of the differences in when you guys first started your business to where you are today? Has is, is a lot changed with the way you operate it or maybe with the type of work you're doing or has it remained consistent over the years? Let, let me start, Lynn, and then you finish up. But uh, we, we thought, and when I did my, my uh, travels, you know, I went out to Portland, spent some time with uh, Dan Hoffman, went up to mm-hmm. D.C., spent some time with Michael Carter, and, uh, you know, those guys are predominantly automotive car lot guys. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, that's how I kind of built my business plan. And uh, when we moved, you know, a couple of the uh, due diligence trips to South Carolina and talking to the used car uh, manufacturing uh, sites and dealerships, uh, you know, I was getting a little bit of a cold shoulder that they had somebody and, you know, uh, they didn't really think that they needed a new person. Uh, so it, it kind of changed almost overnight when we, we finally moved here. Uh, we had a couple of car lots that we dealt with, but we had to build the business around a much more uh, eclectic type of offering. And, uh, you know, furniture just kept growing and growing and growing. And it was a market that wasn't being serviced by anybody in the area because the guys that do cars cannot do furniture. And uh, the technology that Fiber New offers is a durable uh, technology. Uh, the first thing we did was uh, we re-dyed our, our large leather sofa because uh, it didn't match our new house and uh, also did my son's 96 Forerunner uh, really just to check the technology out, being a textile guy, to see how it did it really meet the expectations <laughs> of what we're yeah. going to sell. And it, right. it more than exceeded those expectations. So, you know, I could not only talk it, but I can actually... Um, you know, walk the talk because I, I, I sit on the couch every day, you know, and it, it's still performing well. Uh, my son still has the 96 Forerunner. It's still performing well. So you can talk from a much better vantage point when you're, when you're actually uh, you, you use the products that Fiber News uh, technology offers. For sure. That was in 09, right? Do I have, do I have yeah, the right year? And, and yeah. that was the year that the economy in the U.S. wasn't doing very well. And, yeah. Uh, you know, right after our our, our last president, and uh, you know things really headed south, and and uh, it's a tough time to start a business. Really, one of the toughest times in probably the last thirty years. And uh, you know, we felt that a little bit. Uh, we were positioned to know that it was going to take a while to to get up and running. But uh, you know, within you know a reasonable amount of time, we were we were in the black, and uh, nothing's you know slowed down since then. 
And That's I think awesome. there may be other fibernewers who have done, I'm not sure, you know, we actually were living in North Carolina when we decided on the South Carolina Territory. So oh, okay. Rick came to Calgary for training the weekend we officially put our house on the market to sell. And I jokingly <laughs> told him, um, I'll, I'll sell the house while you're in Calgary. And do you know, the house showed, to, and the first people who looked at it sat down and wrote an offer. And literally, while he was in Calgary, the first week of training, we were, still, we were faxing back and forth the contract to sell the house, <laughs> which I took as a Love sign. It, During a downward yeah, economy, yeah. Um, we got 98.5% of our asking price to the first people oh. who looked at it, and, I, and Rick was wow. in Calgary. So I took that as a positive sign. It was meant to be. <laughs> You know, absolutely. So then he returned from Calgary, and we had to quickly come to South Carolina to begin house hunting because ours had just sold out from underneath us, and we were moving ourselves and starting a new business simultaneously. Yeah. Oh, man. It's, you know, there are a few people who have, who have had that same scenario who come through training. They kind of do everything at once. You know, it's uh, – uh, moving even you know across state lines, um, starting a new business all at the same time. Why not just do it all in one yeah. fell swoop? <laughs> yeah, that's that's a good story. Um, what about for you, Lane? In terms of the the differences and where you're at in your business now compared to 2009, um, does anything kind of stick out? For you, well, in terms you know, of maybe your in that I didn't, I didn't come and do the technical training. So Rick is, he is the die master, and he understands all of the techniques and had all of that kind of training. With my background being um, in sales and marketing and in office management as an executive assistant years ago, and then running and maintaining my own business. Um, that was what I was meant to really do. Um, And so as we've gotten busier, there are times when I do go out and work with Rick, you know, a day day here, a day there. I helped him in the shop some yesterday on a project. I'm the the second set of hands that you need sometimes. I'm I'm always the quality control person, whether he likes it or not. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. But... um, so there's times I do go with him out in the field or into the shop, a day or two a week. But for the most part, I'm doing all of the office stuff. What, um, maybe even now or over the years since you started, what are some of the challenges you guys have gone through in your business? First of all, it would be that still today, the name Fibernew is not a known name. Mm-hmm. Um, people can now do a Google search and we pop up, but they don't necessarily know how to pronounce it. <laughs> so, um, mm-hmm. so it's just not being a known name. Or, and obviously, we always know people don't even know these type of surface services are available. But the beauty of the changes since 2009 to now is um, people have gotten much more Google savvy. And with everything that you and your team have done over the years to make the the internet presence and then for those of us who have done the blogs and using those pertinent words so that search you know engines are happy it's everything has gotten so much easier because jesse the, the hardest thing for most fiber newers are and and we come from a much more professional background than most but is cold calling and that's you get on these calls with dan and 
you know, or you go to these meetings and it's all about cold calling. Well, it's probably the thing that people hate to do the most. And, uh, you know, that's, you know, I do it. I, I do the cold calling mostly when I'm out doing jobs and, you know, talking about neighbors and about, you know, other industries or other medical or dental facilities or restaurants or, you know, neighbors in these really nice neighborhoods we have around here. But people don't like doing that. So the, the whole transference uh, to the Internet and Google and, and the search engines and all that makes people's jobs, uh, it takes away the stress of doing the cold calling, and it really improves mm-hmm. your efficiency. And uh, mm-hmm. I think it's a great thing for, for what you hand the new people uh, versus what we had because we were told, go out and do 20, 20 cold calls, you know, and uh, there's a lot of time and effort and stress involved in that. And, and I still do it, and I, when I get on a roll, I enjoy doing it. But, you know, once you get your business to a certain point like ours is, uh, it, it almost sells itself, and our, our quality of our, you know, referrals sell them, sell themselves. Building up the Google reviews has been very advantageous. I get multiple calls a week now, where people, without my even thinking about it, will right off the bat. I mean, it's happened to me twice this week. People will actually say to me, "I found you online. I see what other people are saying about you." Mm-hmm. And right off the bat, half my, you know, my sales spill is done. So the Google reviews have been so advantageous. And, and the fact I can't control those, I mean, you know, um, people are going to say what they're going to say. So we've been lucky in that regard um, that we've had people say nice things. Um, so well, the Google reviews and then also the, the, um, using the keywords that I try to use, you know, along with the before and after pictures. Um, I, you know, I have done over the years, I make sure and use the terms like Eckerness, Stressless Chairs, Braddington mm-hmm. Young, Hancock and Moore. I use those over and over and over along with, you know, the other obviously pertinent uh, keywords being leather, leather repair, leather furniture, that type of thing. But what it has really done is drive our upper-end leather furniture business because that's the furniture people who live in, you know, $500,000 up to two, two-and-a-half million-dollar homes, that's the furniture they're buying. And to mention Hickory or High Point, North Carolina, and Hickory Chair Furniture, those kind of things. And then people call or they find us in a Google search. Those are the educated, savvy um, homeowners who are doing savvy Google searches, and those keywords pop up for them. Mm-hmm. So we find yeah. ourselves on a regular basis now, we're in $2 million homes regularly. And that's the better furniture to work on because it's going to stand up to a restoration. Absolutely. Absolutely. Your guys' website, we still use in training today on how to properly use a Vibrating website. <laughs> when it comes to everything you mentioned, the keywords, the content, um, you know, how you kind of create many case studies of the jobs you do um, and illustrate that it, you know, this, this little bit of effort going into this does pay off in the end. So, you know, I've had um, people call from Norway asking about Ekernes chairs. Is that right? Yeah. People, and, people um, ship uh, arms from Alaska. So, I mean, a, a Google, a, a blog I might have done six or seven years ago is still alive and well, and I've done nothing much more to nurture it. It's just out there, and those keywords 
send people back our way. We've got a lady driving tomorrow from North Carolina with two Eckernest chairs that she's leaving with us. She's getting ready to move to Ohio, but she's going to come back here for them because she wants us to do them. That's awesome. Great story. Great story. What about on the, on the flip side? We talked about challenges. What are some of the, the best parts about running your business you can think of? You know, flexibility is key. You know, you can, you can, you know, we we love going to the lake and, and running the boat around, and you can do that in the middle of the week when nobody's on the lake. Uh, you know, when you can dodge the weather and and then you work on a or Saturday or Sunday, uh, working right out the back of our our house in our in our in our shop in our garage. Uh, you know, grab a cup of coffee and step outside and start working. Uh, you know, take a take a swim in the pool when it gets hot in the summer. You know, it in it. There's just so much flexibility in this business. Uh, it just it blows your mind when you start thinking about the different work we do and the different customers that we satisfy and really add value to their belongings for extended periods of time. Uh, you know, and there's a lot of gratification in that when you when you meet a customer and, and they say, "Oh, you did my couch five years ago and it still looks great." You know. Um, yeah. <clears throat> it, it's just there's a lot of self gratification in this business too. And then we're doing a lot of, um, you know, we try, we balance it with the vinyl work. Obviously, the niche being to repair, restore, re-dye, custom match on the leather side of it. But um, we do a good bit of dental work now. And a lot of times the dental offices are closed on a Friday, so we may pick up on Thursday afternoon and get the job underway on a, on a Friday, finishing up on Saturday. And then we're able, we've had in the last um, two months, there's been many times we've worked on a Saturday and then take off during the week. But therefore, the turnaround time, the accommodating the customer, they appreciate that. And we've had the dentist or their office manager meet us on a, a Saturday or Sunday afternoon so we could do the reinstall over the weekend. It's to our advantage. It's to their advantage. They know their their dental chair sitting there for their first patient early Monday morning, and um, mm-hmm. and we've and we've had the Patterson reps who are really working with us and recommending us. So that's oh, been a big help. Um, we do a good bit of probably more dental, but chiropractic, medical offices, and then restaurant booth seating is an easy continuous job. If it's a, a, a good restaurant, they're going to constantly need you to come back. And so we've got just a good sampling, a handful of restaurants that we know pay well and consistently. And Rick will do a walkthrough every six or so weeks and tell them what they need done, and we just keep it rolling for them. So that's, I consider that filler work. When we're, when we're in a little bit of a slowdown, then we run out and check all of our restaurants. We have one in uh, Clemson, uh, the Esso Club, which is kind of a iconic uh, uh, university bar and grill that we do all of their their work at at their Clemson facility. And then he has a another bar and restaurant in Greenville. We do that one, and then we also did his his pontoon on the lake. So we've done three, <laughs> two are continuous ongoing businesses, and one was kind of a large uh, spot business. So you did a suburban as well. Yeah, I did his, his car too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. And, and you well, know, you know, we'll go to a dental right? office, and they want you to step out and look at their car. Then one other dentist yeah, office, yeah. we just did their Mercedes. 
And, and even for cars, what Rick was talking about car lots, you know, when I've done the blogs and things, I always make sure and use the word BMW, Lexus, you know, whatever we're doing. Yeah. And when he's doing cars, that's who's calling us, people who are holding on, but it's, it's the nicer cars. And yeah. they're, it's worth restoring, and you're going to hold on to it for a long time. So, you know, just people need to think about keying into the upper-end automobiles and furniture lines. Your average automobile is probably $500. Really? Wow. Yeah. Wow, yeah. wow. Uh, so is, is that someone who will say, you know, just I want my entire interior kind of taken care of, or is it just the, you know, what's the nature of a job like that? Uh, sometimes it involves some leather replacements. So I've gotten very good at okay. pulling seats out and pulling the covers off. A lot of times it'll be, you know, the front seats look so good, why don't you do my back seats? And then we up, mm. upsell, the, you know, we're uh, certified carpet cleaners too, so we can upsell the carpet cleaning or do the armrest or, you know, touch up the dash, you know. So, uh, and most people, once they get it, like Lynn said, they have a nice car and it's got a little age on it and they want to keep it and they want to keep it looking good. And our, our system works, I and mean, it really is durable. So. Yeah. We're really lucky That's that awesome. we have um, two different upholsters here locally, and one we use predominantly for our automotive. They've been in business over 30 years. They're like four miles away. Rick, like you said, he pulls a lot of seats and replaces two or three panels on a seat bottom or seat back, typically the driver's seat, and then he'll run it to our upholstery shop, and they'll turn it around for him in a day. So we can get everything done. When we do upper-end furniture or some of our more detailed dental work, if it has a complicated seat, I have a different upholster that I use for my real expensive furniture. She's just more keen on on furniture than automotive. And we've really, really been blessed that we've got two upholsters, one to, you know, within two miles in either direction that back our business up. And we keep a lot of business going to them. Good, yeah, that, that's a good partnership to have. It's, it it's really a, is. It's a two-way street. Yeah, good for you. Good. And several of these people, um, when we walked in and introduced ourselves, they were like, they showed us a little kit on the wall that they had, and they said, God, we're glad to see you because we tried that little kit and it never worked. <laughs> you know? Yeah, you're the real deal walking through the door now. So yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, this question just came to mind. Do you talk with um, other husband and wife teams within Fibernew? Like, is there kind of like a, a, a kind of a subgroup of you guys, or or not? Um. I've had a few reach out to us um, and ask me about key words that I was using and had oh, heard. Okay. So I remember a few years ago someone emailing me, and right now I won't be able to think of their name, um, but they had heard about us in training and then kind of jokingly said, oh, so now we feel like you're meeting because you're talking in person or emailing personally. Um, but there were, you know, and I was giving them information. Here's when you're still a little green, you're not always sure what questions to ask. If it's the wife who's trying to make the phone calls or send the emails and you're trying to gather the, the right information as to what needs to be done and how old is the furniture and the condition of it and things like that. So there has been some times that they've reached out to us. I, I think there's, there's probably a need there 
for a little more interaction between husbands and wives. And they have asked what the sharing of the, the workload is and, you know, the coming together, um, deciding who's boss for the day. It always works really well as long as Rick knows I'm always boss. <laughs> the big thing that Lynn really helps with, and, and couples can do this more than somebody that's going to run home at night and work till 8 o'clock at 9, uh, you know, 9 at night, scheduling the next day or doing follow-up. She's doing it real time, and people are just blown away by, oh, I placed a call and you call me right back, and she's asking yeah. me questions. And, uh, but on my side, it, it's time utilization because, you know, when you're driving, you're not making money, and she lays out, you know, with all of the tools on the Internet where she can map me out to minimize my travel time and maximize my work time. Uh, so it saves on wear and tear on the vehicle and gas, but it also just keeps me working more hours. And I think a lot of fiber news miss that. Now, the guys that are doing car lots aren't because they pull up a car lot and they don't leave till the mm-hmm. end of the day, but there's not many of those guys, I don't think, starting out that are getting into that end of the business. So time utilization uh, and travel minimization is key. Yeah? Very and true. It's hard to do that that's right. Yeah. Do you use Waze for that, Lynn? Or what? What? No, no. You know, you typically, um, I'm just using Google Maps. I I know my general okay. area, and when I get an address for somebody, immediately, if I've had a car warranty um, job come through, I look and see what suburb it's in. I know what other jobs mm-hmm. Rick has that week, and then I start just trying to line them up to get him from point A to point B within a five to ten mile radius and just kind of keep him going in a loop. Um, so really, Google will just pop it up, and I, and I see it on the map and start laying it out. And, and, and of course, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of time involved in the back and forth because what might work for us may not work for the customer and are that they're available at 10 but not at 2, and you have to switch things <laughs> around. So, you know, you're always fine-tuning, and then you'll get that last-minute call, somebody, and, and I'll pop an assessment in. Hey, we're going to be in your area um, which now I, we charge for assessments. I wasn't able to do that for years. And um, now the way I do it, I charge, for the most part, on average, I will, will charge $40 for an assessment. And I always say half of that fee is credited toward any scheduled work. And most people don't balk okay. at that at all. Huh. And then I give him, you know, right. he can build, we can build that back into the club. But, in, you know, people are going to sh- be there when they say they're going to be there. They value the fact that that assessment was valued. Um, we come back and I email a detailed assessment. Again, I'm very detail-oriented. I'm old school from sales and marketing, and I'm detail-oriented. So I want everything in writing exactly what we're going to do, exactly what you're going to pay, the timeline. I mean, I just got my, it's drilled into me. Well, and it's obviously a touch that, that works if, uh, you know, customers are responding to it. So um, applaud you on that. That's fantastic. Well, I think, you know, you guys- you've got the people who were living in $2 million homes had their own personal assistants, <laughs> executive assistants. Yeah. So yeah, I'm kind of on that. Of they're used to it. They want things yeah. typed out. I'm, I'm, you know, it's, yeah, yeah, those smartphones are handy and you need them, but yeah. It pisses me off, Jesse, when she gets more accolades than I do, though. <laughs> well, I mean, it's so professional, I keep hearing. <laughs> 
It's that joint bank account that levels the playing field, though, in the end, I right, guess. Right. So it all works out. Yeah. I, I even pay um, him on occasion. Oh, do you? Wow. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I know you guys are off to meet friends shortly, so just, just one last question in, in closing. Any unique jobs that, that you want to comment on or kind of talk about right now? Um, you're talking about you know, that inventor of the infrared grill, stuff like that, yeah. or any other ones that kind of stick out? At the moment, he also he, if you Google his name, he's really sharp guy. But uh, he also invented the device that refuels our uh, mid-air jets. You know, so they don't have to land because he's an expert okay. in war pilot. But uh, just a super individual. And and Lynn didn't do her research on uh, the fact that they lived in a fourteen thousand square foot house before she she gave him some <laughs> approximate numbers on the the sofas we treated in. <laughs> they have more than one couch. Let's, let's yeah. just assume yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. uh, okay. Probably the, the most interesting one, you may have heard me talk about it before, is about five years ago, about a week and a half before Christmas, we got a call from another fiber newer, Matt Schmidt, uh, who had done some work in the St. Louis area for some uh, aviation business. And they said, well, we we got this... Uh, King Air uh, eight passenger that's being flown from St. Louis to Greenville. Uh, Greenville's uh, got one of the big uh, hubs for uh, reconditioning King Airs, which is like the okay. predecessor of the, the Learjet. You know, it's a it's a prop yeah. plane, but it's a, it's kind of like the Cadillac of prop planes. And right. uh, they said, well, will you meet uh, the new potential owners at uh, the Greenville Spartanburg Airport? Uh, this is George Strait, the uh, country music star's plane. Wow. And they're thinking of purchasing it. And uh, the neat thing about the new company that was thinking about buying it is, is they're relocating call centers from India, which we all hate, back into the U.S., and but into small-town U.S. So they needed a plane that, you know, like a, like a prop plane that could land at these smaller airports. Cause that's where they're, they're building these call centers. Uh, so they got, they got here that, the pilot and the two new prospective owners, and I had, had done all the research and got me all these uh, fabric samples of leather that you know has to be specially treated leather and and uh, what is that, Lynn? The, the lamb's wool for the front yeah, seats. Yeah, sheepskin for sheep the pilot skin seats. Yeah. For the pilot seats, okay. and I had laid out. And it was you know it was cold out on the runway, and and uh, laid out all these color samples. And and one of the guys buying the plane looks at the other guy and he goes, "Have you got that?" Uh, uh, music stick and he said yeah he said put it in He's, and they turned the music on they said turn it loud it was George Strait and I'm not a big country music <laughs> star but I knew George Strait was and they said well, play the next song and they played another song and we sat there and then uh, I said alright you guys ready to look at color and I said nah you just decide you know color better than we do uh, wow <laughs> you pick we just wanted to hear what the stereo sounded like and see what the plane looked like and see what our pilot thought of it and uh, they ended up buying it, you know. But we did nice. probably about a, what was it, like $14,000 job? It was 14000 the last two weeks of the year. And, again, our local favorite automotive upholster had to say they could sew it for us the end of the year. And we completely redid the entire interior of the plane. Everything was recovered. And, and they came wow. back. To, and they have their own upholstery shop at the, at the, the center there at the, Greenville Spartanburg, they came back and said they couldn't get it done, but we did it faster, uh, better quality, and less expensive, which didn't make us too happy, than their, their own shop. So they said they would look to us in the future for, for uh, further uh, 
plain uh, remodels. So it's, it's good cool. when you hear things like that. You're, you're faster, you're better. Have they uh, we, we've done some small jobs, not a restoration like that. That was kind of unique. Okay. Uh, okay. You know, redyes and, and cleaning and, you know, touch-ups. And we've done a couple of other small planes for, for private guys that have heard about us through the, the Stevens Aviation Group. But that was a pretty neat job. Just yeah. To, to, and then yeah, the, that's the a, inventor that's of the infrared grill. And then we, we've done some work for Jim DeMint, the former uh, South Carolina senator at his house. So. Okay. You get to meet some neat people in this business. I bet. Yeah, yeah. The, the infrared inventor, was it William Best? Is that the right yeah. name? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Columbia, right. South Carolina. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to do some Google searches on, on that guy. Sounds like an interesting character. Imagine um, that you're 86 and still working all the time. Just, he lives yeah, that's, that's passion, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. He, I'm sure he doesn't have to work anymore, but... Oh, my <laughs> God, anyway. they didn't have to restore their sofas. I mean, they had been custom-made in North Carolina. She could have just oh. ordered new sofas. They were just for the dogs, basically. And, um, I mean, she started sending me pictures. and like, yeah, we don't really travel that far. And then she really wanted us to do it. And, in fact, I said to her, I'm going to be the one coming with Rick. Once we agreed to terms and we would come to Columbia, and I was charging them a good price for pickup and delivery, obviously. And um, I'm saying to her, you know, I'm going to be helping Rick with the loading and unloading. I need to know before we arrive, are there long hallways, sharp turns, narrow hallways? Are there many steps going in and out of the house just so we come prepared? And it may be, could your husband be available to help us if need be? And she said, oh, I'm a workhorse. I'll help you if you need help. But no, it's, it's a straight open shot, wide double doors, one step down. He was able to back the van right up. Well, I didn't know her husband was 86 years old. I would never have asked for him to help load the damn couches. So, we didn't have any trouble, thank goodness. Okay. He, he sounds like the kind of guy who would probably help out anyway. If, he if probably uh, would have. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. But one last thing, Jesse. It, it seems to me and, and Lynn, and it's not just because our business is so diverse, but a, a lot of fibernewers are running into that, that headwind of, you know, a lot of people out there doing car lots with their SEM paints in the back of their van, you mm-hmm. know. And uh, mm-hmm. they do it, you know, so cheap and so fast and, you don't have to stay off of it, and it, it's really a temporary fix. That you know, we're kind of moving more into, you know, a, a value enhancement uh, business proposition that's multifaceted on so many levels. You know, a dental chair cost them eight thousand dollars, and we do a, a chair restoration for eight nine hundred. You know, a couch that cost, you know, the ones we're returning tomorrow are probably a couch and two chairs are probably ten grand, and we're going to end up charging them you know, less than two grand to restore them, you know, so mm-hmm. there's, and there's so many of those things out there. And uh, I think a lot of fiber renewers run in that, that headwind of they got to get in the car lot, they got to get in the car lot. And some guys really do well in that, but I think, you know, we've run into it here with, you know, a couple of Mexican ladies, you know, in the back of their pickup truck out there fixing car seats, you know, and you can't mm-hmm. compete with that. You don't want to compete with that. And, uh, you know, our, our business model works so much better for us and it's so much less stress and, and just, just so much more satisfying. We know our customers. They know us. You know, when you do a car at a car lot, nobody ever knows anybody. 
you know the the guy that paid you, but the person that buys the car doesn't know you. Uh, just a very different. It's, it's so true, and and I can see how it's all part of a package with you guys, from from Lynn's detailed reports to the the quick response back to to customers how that plays out on Google with positive reviews and how that just basically kind of pushes up your whole like cachet of what you do and, and even like further solidifies the, the niche business that we're in. That makes so much other, sense, Rick. Yeah. The other really neat uh, business we've done, uh, we've done a couple of these, maybe three or four, Lynn, is it's if you Google Eames chair, E-A-M-E-S, yeah. two right. brothers, Charles and Ray Eames. I mean, these things are in the Museum of Modern Art. They're, they're five, six thousand dollars a piece, and we got a, we did a job at Christmas about four years ago for uh, a guy's. Uh, his wife said his father had one, and he'd put it in the attic, and, and the wood needed some work, so we got a, a real good woods craftsman to, to redo the veneer, and we did the leather, and it was a Christmas present. And so it's kind of bringing back something that you know his father used to sit in all the time, you know, as a Christmas present, you know, in a chair that's you know worth five or six thousand dollars. And uh, wow. I mean, it's just it's satisfying just to, to be a part of that whole scenario, you know? Yeah, yeah, that's special. Well, listen, guys, I, th- I know we're we're getting close to the time you're supposed to meet your friends, so I think we'll we'll sign off there. One last question: w- What do you usually order at the brewery? Do you have a local favorite? <laughs> what's, what's your What's your taste of beer? I'm just curious. Uh, we're we're pretty eclectic on that too. You know, we kind of. Oh yeah. Okay. Uh, Thomas Creek. If you ever get a chance, that's the brewery we, we do on Thursday nights. It's a they're probably their best beer is a ten percent alcohol called a, a Bull Sluice, which is made from uh, Four Roses barrels they buy from Four Roses Bourbon Company in Kentucky, I think, or Tennessee. They don't even wash okay. them; they just make the beer in a minute. It uh, they do that once a year. They sell it by the ounce. <laughs> that's how good it is. Wow! 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 Okay, yeah. <laughs> sounds good to me. Yeah. I'd have to take you up on that if I'm ever down there. <laughs> we'll have yeah. to stop in. Yeah, yeah. Um, thank you so much, guys. Re- really, really appreciate your time. And okay. um, hope, you, hope you have a good time with your friends tonight. We will. Yeah.